0: well good morning happy new year if i haven't seen you already it's an honor and privilege to be up here this morning speaking with you but before i begin will you please pray with me gracious god we come to you asking for your wisdom and your light as we hear your written word proclaimed and read may your word jesus christ give us eyes to see and ears to hear may the words of my mouth And the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So as Pastor Dave said, today is Epiphany Sunday, and we talk about the three wise men, or maybe more, that came to Jesus in search of him after looking at a star. Some of us may not be familiar with this church calendar, but this is the day that we celebrate that event Some of us may see that these wise men are usually added to our nativity sets, um, but they actually came probably much later. And we know the gifts that they brought him, gold and frankincense and myrrh. But I'm not going to talk about those gifts. (laughs) I think we know where those gifts are going. Instead, I'm going to turn our eyes to the beginning of this story, and it's found in Matthew 2, beginning at verse 1, and we'll end at verse 6. So it will be on the screens as I read it aloud. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east, From the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where the Messiah was born in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. So our text is actually just the beginning of a larger narrative, and it goes on to later to say what Herod had done, and it's meant to grab our attention, Um, and it's meant to grab our attention to show the kind of world that Jesus had just stepped into, and it wasn't just a physical world, it was a very spiritual world as well. I was going through the uh, Greek text and geeking out, as I was trying to say, and our English translation is actually missing the word behold. And it comes like this. In the time of Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, behold, look, pay attention, wake up. Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. These wise men almost appear out of thin air, catching everyone by surprise. It's almost like that beginning scene of Star Wars. It's supposed to grab your attention, right? And they do. Oh, they do. These wise men and their response to a star catches everyone off guard. Who are these wise men? And how many are there? We don't know. We don't even know where they came from, to be quite honest. It's a mystery on this side of heaven of where they came from and we don't know who they exactly are. Are they kings? Who are they? Some biblical scholars suppose that they came from Arabia and Persia, Mesopotamia, and all those other far off lands, but we don't know. And the description of magi is a mix of positive and negative connotations. A magi could refer to a wise man who possessed mystical knowledge or a practitioner of black arts, to astrologers, or even beguiling frauds. Magi were often Gentiles. They were not of the Jewish community, and they were outsiders of the Jewish community. They were not welcomed in that community at all. The only other person with the description of Magi is found later in Acts, and it describes a man who prophesies against the gospel of Jesus, and then Paul gets into it, but we're not going to get into that story. So, these guys are bad, right? Is that what the text is trying to say? No, not at all, actually. They're quite the good guys. Isn't it interesting, though, that when we hear a description of somebody and we don't even know the full story or their full story, we already assume if they have wisdom or not. We already assume, oh, they probably mean bad news. Isn't that interesting? The fact is, is that this text is small, but it shows that life changing news demands a response. And it still is that way in our lives today. We get life-changing news maybe all the time. And just even through our phones or from family members. And it demands a response. And we give a variety of responses. We could be excited. We could be surprised. We could be stunned completely. All of humanity gives a variety of responses when it comes to life-changing news. But here in our small little text, there's only two. There's only two responses that we see a wise one, and a fear-filled one. And these responses don't match the characters that they come from because we would assume that they would match the certain characters, but it's ironic who they come from. It's the magi that see a star's rising and discern that a king is also on the rise, that a king has been born due to this phenomenon that has happened. It's these wise men that bring good news that a true king is, has come among the Jewish people, a description that's only been used one other time. The way that they phrase it, it's not used until later in Matthew's gospel in like chapter 26. So it's very important. It's these Gentiles, those who are outside of the community, those that are seen as, "these are not good guys. It's those who come to worship a Jewish Messiah. And yet, it's surprising, and yet this response is not shared by their audience. Quite the opposite. They come to Herod, who was a tyrant and a so-called king of the Jews, though he was not. But he was a king of the Jews according to Rome, who he served. If these wise men were so wise, why would they go to Herod in the first place? That's a great question, right? It's just why, if they knew who this guy was, why would they even turn to him? I liked what one biblical scholar said, and he writes, All the Magi lacked, all they lacked, was the biblical knowledge that could be the basis for their understanding according to their revelation. That's all they lacked, was just the scriptural basis of what they already saw. So hence why they turned to a Jewish community and the king of the Jews of well, maybe they know something that we don't. Maybe we don't know yet. And they discerned correctly and accurately. They knew what they had saw in the star, and they knew that it would be somewhere generally around Judea, but they didn't know exactly where it was because they didn't know the prophecies. They didn't know the scriptures just yet that would point them in the right direction. And that's the difference between wisdom and knowledge, I find. Wisdom seeks, wisdom finds, and wisdom looks in every nook and cranny and doesn't just assume, oh, it has to be in this one place. It could be anywhere, and it asks questions. Knowledge is just that. It's just what we know. For me, in my mind, I think that knowledge lacks the action that wisdom does. Does that make sense? That knowledge knows, but wisdom goes. Wisdom will go forth and seek more and also acknowledge, I don't have all the answers just yet, but I'm willing to go forward and seek it out. What adds to the irony, and I, I mean this irony in this text is so thick. You can eat it with a spoon, people. It is everywhere. What adds to this irony is that Herod calls upon the high priests and the scribes who later don't like Jesus and end up becoming a big problem for Jesus He calls them to discern for him who this Messiah was and where he was to be born. These are the very people that would have memorized scripture their entire lives. Like this was their job was to memorize these things. This was their job to know all the prophecies and the expected Messiah. And yet it doesn't lead them to worship at all. They just know it, but they don't do anything with it. Their knowledge doesn't lead them to worship or wisdom. If anything, it leads them to a different kind of response. And here is the more irony. Herod and all of Jerusalem, that's what the text says, all of Jerusalem responds in fear of this news. Herod especially is fearful. We know he's kind of a neurotic dude so to speak. He is frightened. The word is tarasso. Can you say tarasso? You are Greek scholars. Look at you. So the word gives the image of someone who is shaking like a leaf, terrified. I don't know if you've ever seen kids go on a ride for the first time at Disneyland or Knott's Berry Farm and they're just sitting there shaking, right? That's the image. Absolutely shocked and just fearful, trembling, This is so opposite of the response that we see in the wise men who respond in worship with the word means to fall at someone's feet. Herod is standing on one side, shaking in fear in his boots or sandals. And the worship comes from the Gentiles and they're falling at Jesus's feet. It is an amazing contrast. The Gentile wise men respond and worship and wisdom and Herod and all of Jerusalem are too afraid to do anything. Both are physical responses. We can imagine this. And they're so different. So we have two responses to the same exact news. The true king of Israel is in Judea. There's nothing they can do about it. He's already there. The unexpected wise men respond in wisdom and worship and Herod in Jerusalem, not so much. What stands out to me in all of this irony and all of this conundrum and the contrast is the differences of fear. There's two kinds of fear here going on. We're all familiar with that kind of fear that just rattles our bones. And that's okay. That fear is part of our existence. It's a natural response to something scary, the flight or fright, right? And it's a natural thing to do is to be afraid of something, especially when we don't understand it. And I am not a human being that can tell you, oh, just do everything without any sort of fear. (laughs) Ha ha. Talk to me about how I feel about birds. (laughs) No, 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 no. I am not someone that goes into every situation bravely. I do a lot of things scared people, and especially when it comes to birds. Um, and that's OK, but that's not the kind of fear we're looking at here. The fear I see inherited in this text in particular is almost a twist and like a weird, sick twist on today's psalm, which ended, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear Herod portrayed and has towards this epiphany, this divine revelation, is almost a phobia. He's almost terrified to even think about it. It's an all-encompassing, terrified kind of fear. And what we know about Herod, yes, he was a tyrant, and yes, he was a bit neurotic. He wanted to maintain control of his situation by any means necessary. And the thing he feared the most was someone more powerful taking over his position and coming to take away his seat. That's what he feared the most. And now the true king of the Jews was in his neighborhood, and he was terrified. That's not the fear of the Lord that our psalm talks about. That's not the fear of the Lord that we read about, and that's not the fear of the Lord even God himself wants. This kind of fear... Changes our perspective of God and who God really is, and puts us at odds with God. Could we really draw near to a God that we were so almost phobically, like just afraid of, that we were so terrified of being in the presence of? It breaks my heart. It really breaks my heart knowing that there are friends of ours, family. Communities, neighbors, coworkers, and dare I say, church members of ours that are so afraid of God in this way, and they're almost trembling at the idea of like, oh my gosh, no, I could never, I could never. But the wise response from the unexpected wise men is nothing like Herod's fear. I truly think that these wise men had a fear of the Lord, that what the Bible talks about and what God desires. It's not a shaking fear. It's not this trembling fear that's going to make me run for the hills. It's a fear that's full of reverent, awestruck feeling that doesn't lead them to shiver and shake and cry and go into the fetal position. It's a fear that leads them to their knees and says, holy, holy, holy. I think these wise men had an understanding in their hearts, and maybe not just in their brains just yet, that Herod and the scribes and the teachers of the law and even all of Jerusalem didn't even have. And those are the people of God. In their given wisdom, these wise men discerned that a star meant a new king was on the rise. A good king, not a Herod-like king, not someone who was a tyrant, but someone who was in their midst and worthy of being revered as if it was God in flesh. And that's who it was. They understood that this was not just a star or an ordinary king like all the others. It meant that God was on the move in their midst. And that's a good thing. That's a very good thing to see a star like this and to know God's on the move and I want to seek that out. They had the wisdom that was unlike the world, which also our scriptures talk about that the wisdom of God is unlike the wisdom of man. The world around them said, this is terrifying news, and we'd rather stay with our tyrant, and I don't want this new king. This is too scary. But the wise men said, let's draw near. Let's get closer. Let's find out. Let's see what's going on, and let's worship, even though I don't have all the answers just yet. So what does this mean for us? This happened, you know, 2,000 plus years ago. What does this mean for us? What does this have to do with us? A new year started. This is 2023. Crazy. Advent is over. I'm sorry. Advent is over now. The wait is over. And Epiphany, Divine Revelation, Epiphany Sunday, it's here and now. It comes to us just the same as it came to the wise men. What does this have to do with us? We're in 2023. They're far in Gone. Maybe for some of us a new year is exciting. Maybe it brings more opportunities to step into whatever God is calling you to do, to follow that proverbial star in your life, so to speak, and see where God leads. This may be exciting and it may be frightening, and maybe it's kind of both at the same time. What will we choose? Will we respond in a phobia-like fear, which will lead us to do nothing or run for the hills or maybe even respond in an unkind way in order to protect ourselves? Or will we respond in wisdom? Not saying that we have all this knowledge about what's going to happen if we choose to follow this proverbial star in our life to follow God's calling, but we know within ourselves that God's movement is always a good thing. It's always a good thing. I know for me, following God's call was kind of scary at first because I didn't want to be up here preaching as a young teenager. And now look, I'm here. (laughs) And it's been a wild ride and it was kind of scary. But I said, okay, God, I don't have all the answers, but I hope I have a seatbelt. It's been been crazy. It's been so good because I know God's movement is so good. This epiphany today, Epiphany Sunday, we're invited to bring a different kind of gift, not the gold and frankincense and myrrh. If you have frankincense and myrrh laying around your house, I'd love to have a coffee with you because that's a really interesting assortment. The gift we're allowed to bring today, and it doesn't even have to be much, it's just the gift of worship, an awestruck, possibly even dumbfounded kind of worship, And that's the unspoken gift, I think, that's missed in our text that maybe we just kind of forget about. That's the gift that the Magi brought. It's not that they were super wise and had all the answers. It's that they brought worship. They brought just their humble selves and fell at Jesus' feet. And we are also asked the same question when we come into worship. Jesus has come into our midst. He's moved into the neighborhood, as one translation said, as helpless babe and true king. How will we respond? (sighs) Will we tremble in fear going, no way, no way. Mm I'm going to shake and tremble like a leaf. No, thank you. Maybe our understanding of God's presence needs to be tested in a good way. And it's okay to be tested in that way. That we need to see that Jesus didn't come onto the throne like a tyrant. He came as helpless babe and he came as the true king, a good king. I pray that our fear doesn't blind us to God's movements, And God doesn't always move in these big, mighty ways. Sometimes it's just the little conversations you have in the narthex or just that hug that you really, really needed at the moment. I pray that we don't miss those movements, whether they're shining like a star or they're just a whisper from an unexpected wise person in our life. Or maybe this news of Jesus moving into the neighborhood leads us to inquire more. Maybe we don't know much about it yet. Maybe our questions are a good thing to bring to. May our questions be heard and received by those who are willing to journey with us. This idea that the the wise men journeyed to go see Jesus, and Herod said, no, he's in my neighborhood. I'm not moving, though. I pray that we have people that will journey with us and discern with us what God is doing and maybe just not have just the right answers for us, but willing to see us through. My hope is that we catch glimpses of Christ's presence all around us and that we are completely awestruck, not terrified, and that we are filled with wisdom that only God gives and that leads us to worship. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the birth of your son who moved into our neighborhood, and we thank you for the wise men who discerned correctly that this was a good thing, that you were on the move, you were doing something grand in the midst of darkness. Give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear that you are still moving in and around us always and keep us from the fear that keeps us from coming near you at all. May you show that you come to us gently and sweetly and you only give us grace, grace and love. We pray this in your name. Amen.